The Oklahoma City Thunder control the 12th pick in the 2023 NBA draft. What does this Thunder team need? Should they trade up? Should they trade back? Do they have too many guards? We're going to talk about it all on today's Locked on Thunder podcast. You are Locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, we're going to dive into the Oklahoma City Thunder, what they need on this roster to improve upon their 40-win season. Should they trade up? Should they trade back from pick 12? Could they get back into the first round a different way than maneuvering with the 12th overall pick? And what to look for this offseason. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. We're going to pick up our NBA draft profiles on tomorrow's show. We're going to do a draft profile this week on Derek Lively, who a lot of you uh, are very lively about uh, in the comments section. We've already done Case on Wallace. We're also going to do Kobe Bufkin this week uh, as well, and Cam Whitmore. Could Cam Whitmore fall in this draft to arrange where the Thunder might be able to trade up for him? Who knows? We'll see. We'll talk all about those guys coming up. We've already done a ton of draft profiles. You can go find those on the YouTube channel and anywhere else you get your podcast from as well. Now, let's dive into this incredible show. The Thunder. What do they need coming off of that 41 season? It ended in Minnesota in such a way that the only thing people are going to look at is that they need rebounding, they need size, they need paint defense, they need a big man. So that's what people are going to focus on. They also need shooting, in my opinion. They need to get better shooting the basketball, more shooters to surround their core with. But yes, rebounding, paint defense, a big man, those are concerns. So that's what the Thunder need. They need shooting, rebounding, paint defense, a big man. They need those things. Here's what Oklahoma City is for sure adding before we even move forward into the offseason. They're for sure adding Chet Holmgren, who shot 40% from three in college, who was an elite shot-blocking prospect, and who has high rebounding prowess. That's what they're for sure adding before we even know what's to come. They also have top five in the league in cap space to not only poke around the free agency market if they so chose, but more realistically to use that cap space to bring in bad contracts to get assets with those bad contracts. They have three two-way slots available. An area where the Thunder have found value consistently over the years has been on that two-way value market. And for now, they have the 12th pick, they have the 37th pick, and the 50th pick, but they could maneuver those those as we progress here. And so the common thing that I hear every time I do a draft profile on anyone who's not a 7-foot beefy big man, the Thunder have too many guards. Why are there all these guards? What are the Thunder going to do with all these guards? How can they survive building a team with all these guards? This is ridiculous. Give me a 7'2", 250-pound muscle machine down there. How are they going to compete with all these guards? 
That's what I hear all the time. Let's just take a beat. Let's just relax. Let's look at this roster for what it is. Let's break down this roster into two categories. This player absolutely has to get minutes. And then this player, it'd be nice if they found some minutes. They need some minutes. And we don't care if they get minutes at all. So three categories, technically. The players who absolutely have to get minutes, independent of what the matchup is, independent of the point in the season that it is, independent of what the game plan is, like these guys have to touch the floor every time you play basketball. These are some of your best players on this roster. Here they are. SGA, guard, oversized. Josh Giddy, a 6'8", 6'9", guard, but technically, yes, a guard. Lou Dort, a guard forward who plays forward, but for the sake of argument, to be fair to the, there's too many guards crowd out there. We'll call him a guard. Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara, Chet Holmgren. Those five guys have to get minutes every time you touch the floor. In addition to those guys, you have Isaiah Joe, a guard, who has to get minutes every time that you play basketball this year. And then Aaron Wiggins and Kenny Hustle, those two guys, in my opinion, have to touch the floor every time you play basketball. However, if last year was any indication, they won't because the rotation will change and and things will be fluid until you get down to the nitty-gritty of the game. But those two guys are part of your best basketball team, and they should be on the floor every time you play uh, the game of basketball. So when you list all those off, those are four guards that that have to play. So for all the there's too many guards and you can't possibly draft a guard, those are four guards that have to play. One of the guards is 6'6", one of the guards is 6'8", nearly 6'9", and one of the guards matches up with the team's best score at small forward a lot of the time. So those four guards don't hinder you or prohibit you from taking in another guard through the draft if that is the best option for Oklahoma City at pick 12 or pick 37 or pick 50 or whatever they're going to draft in this draft. If the best person available is a guard, you can absolutely take a guard. And along there, here's who you need to find minutes for. You need to find minutes for the first round pick this year. You need to find minutes for Usman Jang to develop him, not a guard. You need to find minutes for Alexei Pukashevsky, not a guard. And then you have Trey Mann and Jeremiah Robinson Earl who have fallen completely out of favor, but both guys who have once who, who once showed promise, only one of them is a guard. That's Trey Mann, of course. And as we saw even last year, with all the injuries, with all the depth concerns, with, with everything that happened last year, Trey Mann still had stretches where he was not playing NBA basketball or he was not in the rotation. So like, it's not as though you're married to Trey Mann in any sort of way. And this has been the point all along with Sam Presti and Mark and everyone else in the Thunder organization. They want a full roster that has internal competition and sometimes guys get left behind. 
Trey Mann might get left behind. He might have a fantastic offseason, come back in the preseason and training camp and, 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 and earn a spot back in this rotation. He could very well do that. That's not out of the realm of possibility, but it's not as though you have to funnel him minutes. There's only four guards you have to funnel minutes, and they're all four extremely versatile, and they all four play other positions other than guard. So this whole there's too many guards stuff is a bit ridiculous. That's not even to mention Jalen Williams out of Arkansas, who is going to have to get minutes. And in my opinion, he's a play every time you step on the floor. But again, we've seen that that's not how the Thunder operate um, with, with this. But the Thunder don't have too many of anything. As Sam Presti put it, you have to finish your breakfast. They were an under 500 team that that vastly over exceeded projections. But it's not as though these these guys are unupgradable. You can like Trey Mann all you want to. I like him too. You can like Jeremiah Rumpson Earl all you want to. I like him too. And the list goes on for all these guys not named SGA, Josh Giddy, Jalen Williams, and Chet Holmgren. You can upgrade every other position. You can upgrade every other player on this roster. Now, some players are going to be harder to find upgrades for than others, but it's not like anyone has truly solidified their spot in Oklahoma City past those four guys that are just unupgradable. Now, again, It'll be extremely hard to find someone better than Isaiah Joe. I don't think that you will this summer. It'll be extremely hard to find someone better than Aaron Wiggins. I don't think that you will. Kenneth Williams, extremely hard. I don't think that you will. That's why they're in that different tier. But, like, there's not too much of anything in Oklahoma City. Like, sure, you need a big man, you need a rebounder, you need whatever. But you also, isn't like you don't need guards or any other positions. Like, whoever the best player is, that's who the Thunder should and will draft. Like, the Thunder are still very much so in this position of, we just need to find the best player that's available at our disposal, at our draft pick at that time. And not necessarily what does the team need. And that's gonna that's gonna hit some people like you know in a wrong way on draft night where it's like, why are they doing this? Just won 40 games, get someone to draft for fit. But the bottom line is this team can still withstand more high upside talent on this roster, even though there's a there's a roster of you know 15 or so guys that we all extremely like and extremely, you know, know and if kind of rallied around, the, the the product on the floor is going to be able to get improved in this draft. And you do that by drafting anyone and not pigeonholing yourself into, oh, there's too many guards. There's not. There's factually not too many guards on this roster. There are four guards need minutes and they all play different positions other than guard. The rest of the roster aren't guards. And besides those Six, seven, eight, nine players, it doesn't really matter if they get minutes every single time or not. They can just kind of work in with the flow of the game or situation or or, 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 or standpoint of the season. So I want to do this breakdown of like the roster just so we understand moving forward on onto this draft process as you do draft profiles, as you hear scuttlebutt of what the Thunder or who the Thunder are targeting or could be looking at or might have talked to or might have you know kind of been interested in. There's no position that is like off limits for Sam Presti this offseason. Everything is truly on the table. And I think that that goes for positional, you know, drafting someone positionally, but also trading up, trading back, trading into the first round. Everything's on the table in all facets, in this draft especially, but in the offseason as a whole. So again, who do I have to see play all 82 as long as they're healthy this year? It has to be SGA. It has to be Josh Giddy. It has to be Lou Dort. It has to be J-Dub. It has to be Chet Holmgren. It has to be Isaiah Joe. For my money, it has to be Aaron Wiggins, and it has to be Kenny Hustle. And I would love to see J-Will 82 times if he's healthy. But then 
you have a coach who's going to play 10, 12 guys deep every single game, there's still minutes to be found for your first-round pick, even if he's a guard. For Usman Jang, who needs to, to develop. For Pokashevsky, who, who had moments last year where he looked like a really good role player until he got hurt and then was never the same after that. And then you make the decision this this offseason on what you do with Jeremiah Robson or what you do with Trey Mann, you know, the, the second-round picks, the two-way guys, Lindy Waters. Like, like you, you make the decisions on those guys later on. Those, those are really in the, in the think-about-later category. So I did all this just to show there's not too many guards on this roster. And you're for sure bringing in a big man who fills out a lot of the categories that you're panicking about right now. Like, imagine Chet Holmgren on last year's team with his shot blocking, rebounding prowess, and then you go with him as a starter for, you know, 25, 30 minutes a night. And when he's not on the floor, Jay was on the floor, and then you play some small ball with Kenny Hustle and you patch together that five spot. That is just, that's a wonderful thing. And the Thunder view Chet Holmgren as a five, and he views himself as a five, and and, and that's kind of what the Thunder are going to, to do. And I've often said and will continue to say that in my opinion, it, it, it would be silly to go get a, a traditional big man this offseason until we know how Chet Holmgren fares in the NBA and what he needs next to him because the last thing you want to do is lock yourself into a, a front court pairing that just does not work. That's going to be one of the hardest things to do the rest of this rebuild. It's going to be to find the right 4-5 combination with Chet Holmgren and his, and his starting mate and who who can kind of fill in for him, but play his play style whenever he's off the floor and things of that nature. So, to me, you've got to see what Chet Holmgren is before you just panic and go say, well, get me the biggest, you know, paint beast out there that can just lock down the paint, lock down the glass, and just camp down low. Well, that not only hinders your play style, but it hinders some of your best players. SGA makes a living in the mid-range and at the rim. You do not want it clogged up for him. It impacts all of this beautiful cutting action that the Thunder did so successfully this year offensively that allowed them to win 40 games. You put a nice, beefy, traditional center down there, they can't really do that. So that's a give and take. You you can't really construct the perfect team with zero holes and zero exploitations to it. Everything is a give and take. And so I'd be more inclined to draft a wing, draft a guard, and play the play style that you played last year only with a healthy shot home run, rather than changing up that play style entirely, getting a getting a true big man just because, hey, a few times they got beat on the glass at a historic rate. So now let's discuss trading up in this draft, which I think is going to be very interesting for OKC. But first, I want to see right now, my good friends, over at eBay Motors. Folks, eBay Motors is incredible because they know that just like a championship team, it's all about making sure you have the right players that fit perfectly. It's the same thing when you come to know your vehicle and start to build your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right so that the next time that you need parts or accessories, you head on over to eBay Motors with eBay's guaranteed fit. You can be sure that every part fits just right the first time around by adding in your ride to my garage and looking for it in this amazing interface that has these green check marks so you know that that pit that that part will fit your ride when you add your ride to my garage it's that easy because just like in sports confidence is the name of the game and so check it out today with over 122 million parts to choose from you'll be back in the game in no time after all it's easy to bring home a win when the right when the right parts are guaranteed get the right parts the right fit and the right prices on ebmotors.com 
Let's ride eBay Motors guaranteed fit available on U.S. customers, eligible items only, and exclusions do apply. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Folks, we're talking about this roster and what the Thunder need, and now let's talk about trades. So let's talk about trading up in this draft. Here's one that I really, really like. Is trading up to number nine with the Utah Jazz. And I think it'd be pretty seamless. I think OKC could give up pick 12 and give the Jazz their 2024 first round pick back and get pick nine. And the reason that you would do this, for the Thunder, somebody has to fall. Listen, I love Dries Walker and Taylor Hendricks. I think that those are the two guys beyond like the Scoot and Victors of the world. Those are the two guys that I would want most in Oklahoma City that I think could be the modern NBA four and fit perfectly next to Chet Holmgren and just let your team run um, the way that you want it to be designed and, and let your team kind of become one of the best teams in the NBA eventually as these, as these guys grow and mature in their NBA life. But between Dries Walker between Taylor Hendricks, between Grady Dick, between Anthony Black, between Azor Thompson, between Cam Whitmore, Kaysan Wallace, like somebody has to fall in this draft. Like, I've heard Kaysan Wallace is going to go in the top 10. That means somebody has to fall to make room for him in the top 10. We know every year there's a draft day surprise. Like there's somebody that we don't even think as a top 10 pick. And and if you were, were to pose that question at this point in time right now, last year, uh, that somebody from last year's draft went to the top 10, then you would have said no way. And then they did go in the top 10. Like those things happen all the time, all of the, all of the time. So somebody's going to fall to pick nine to make that pick nine pretty juicy for Oklahoma city. And the thunder can go give Utah pick 12 and their pick back next year. And the Thunder would still have three first-round picks in 2024, so they're not complaining too much that they give up, that they give up an additional first-round pick. However, for Utah, that pick becomes so valuable to you because it gives you that flexibility. That 2024 Utah Jazz first-round pick is owed to OKC top 10 protected. For Utah next year, you gain the flexibility and the ability to just let your season play out however you so choose. You can decide from night one, hey, we want to tank this year and get the best of the worst scenario in the 2024 draft. You can decide, hey, let's just play it out, and if we need to pack it in, we can, just like we did this year. Or you can decide to go for it, and even if you fail and end up at pick 10 on the you know because you, you went for it but couldn't quite get over the hump of the young team, everything, you know, pick 11, pick 12, like, like for example, OKC this year. You know, people were calling for them to tank this time last year. People were calling for them to tank at the the start of the year. People were calling them to tank after the All-Star break. They didn't tank. They went for it. They made the play, and they won a play-in game. But they fell just shy of the postseason, and they ended up with pick 12. If the Utah Jazz had that same success, that pick would go to OKC next year. So you gain so much flexibility by moving down a few slots uh, to get back that 2024 first-round pick. And for Oklahoma City, you get to leap up, and in my opinion, you'd, you'd ensure yourself you'd get one of Dries Walker, Taylor Hendricks, Grady Dick. Like, you'd for sure get one of them, who I think are all perfect fits with OKC. We've done a draft profile on all of them. We've also done a draft profile on Azur Thompson uh, and, and Kaysan Wallace, and Anthony Black is going to be coming uh, this week as well. So... I think that these guys all kind of fit the vision of what OKC wants to do. But I think that one of the big three, Walker, Hendricks, and Grady Dick would be there. And that'd be great for OKC to leap up and get one of those, one of those players. So that is like the first and foremost trade. And in my opinion, 
that is the most realistic pathway to moving up for OKC because you can do enough for the team you're trying to get the pick from. They can do enough for you, and it seems pretty fair. And I think that if the Thunder somehow see Taylor Hendricks fall to pick number nine and they can go get him, that would be considered a massive win and, and, and a dream scenario, really, on draft night for Oklahoma City. The pathway to get Taylor Hendricks, the pathway to get Dries Walker. Washington Wizards at pick eight. I am fascinated by Washington. So Washington has brought in two former Oklahoma City guys who worked very closely with Sam Presti to their front office, as long as they, they do go through with hiring Will Dawkins. Um, they have no future assets. They have two front office guys who have been pretty well praised with working and building through the draft. And the Thunder have all these future assets to where, okay, what if, you, what if Sam Presti calls them up and says, listen, guys, you sacrifice a little bit of draft positioning this year in the here and now, but I'll give you two future first round picks to kind of start to reload some of that treasure trove of assets for you, that, that treasure chest of picks. And then you can maybe trade Bradley Beal or do whatever you want to, to get more, you know, but we'll get you started with two. We'll get you started. It's like, it's like whenever you go and you set up a bank account and your mom makes the bank account for you, co-signs it, whatever, and then throws you in 200 bucks in there. Like just here, here, just to get you started, just, just to have some uh, some spending money in your bank account and see how you manage it. Here's 200 bucks. And so Sam Presti can start that bank account for the, the, for the Wizards and, and for his two protégés. And in the meantime, he can move up to pick eight and really be cooking. Because again, this draft class is so loaded that somebody that you really, really like is going to have to be there at pick eight, even with no surprises at all. Somebody that you really, really like is going to be at pick eight. And like that can really help change the already extreme narrative on how good this team is and how young and fun this team is. Perhaps the most wacky trade idea would be Dallas because for a multitude of reasons. Number one, Dallas wants to get rid of this pick so badly, so desperately. They want to use it to facilitate a big splash and to go get uh, some NBA role players and some high-end NBA role players and high-end NBA starters and high-end NBA players to complement Kyrie and Luka and get this team back where they want to be. They do not want to take on a rookie who's going to take some long time to develop and whatever. So it's going to be difficult because the Thunder cannot give up any of those kind of guys to Dallas. However, they can give Dallas a future pick plus pick 12 for Dallas to move down two slots and then work from there to try to facilitate trades from 12. And, and in the meantime, Dallas picks up an additional asset to, to work with for a team that also has sort of their assets, all, assets all tied up and like all bunched up with, with, with different, you know, protections and, and, uh, and provisions with the Knicks and everything else. So uh, they kind of get some more breathing room by picking up an additional first round pick. And they turn that one asset of 10 into two, 12 and a future pick. Um, but that seems extremely unlikely. This also seems extremely unlikely, but like, could OKC pull it off? This would be keeping 12, but still getting Dallas's pick 10. How would you do that? It would be extremely hard. And, and I don't think there's a chance it would happen, but it's fun to talk about and discuss real quick at the end of this segment before we talk about trading down and trading back into the first round. What if you say, look, we've got all this cap space. We're not going to go sign a free agent. What we will do, though, is is practically buy your 10th overall pick. Give us Bertans, give us JaVale McGee, give us all your bad contracts, and give us pick 10, and we'll call it a day. For the price of doing business, of, of carrying out your garbage, give us pick 10, and then the Thunder control pick 10 and 12. 
again, not going to happen. And, and, and maybe you'd need to entice the Mavericks to do that because it's a top 10 pick and not like some mid-tier pick. But it'd be interesting to see if Sam Presti could kind of maneuver that with all with all of his cap space because I don't think that the, that the Thunder will... I don't think that the Thunder will be in a position where they go sign a free agent this year. But I also do not think that Sam Presti will just give away this resource. Like, this is a valuable resource and he likes to use all of his resources. So I think that he will bring on a bad contract and get something back in return for doing so. And and Dallas seems like a team that is kind of ripe for for that for that kind of out, outlook. However, trading back in the first round using that strategy is probably best whenever you look at the teams that have multiple first round picks. So we'll talk about trading back into the first round. We'll talk about trading down from twelve uh, and more coming up on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast and the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for joining us on today's show. We're talking about the Thunder, their draft pick, their team needs, and everything else. Let's talk about trading down from 12. So I think that the conversation has all been focused on trading up, which I think is right. The Thunder should trade up. The Thunder will explore trading up, and if there's an eligible trade out there where it works for both sides, they're going to trade up. But... Sometimes it takes two to tango and the second party does not want to dance that day. So trading back from 12 could be interesting. When you look at teams like New Orleans, Atlanta, and Utah, all teams with additional first round picks to spare, um, you know, not, not Atlanta really, but Utah and New Orleans, especially New Orleans at 14, Utah is at 16. Uh, those two teams have additional first round picks to spare. And you drop back from 12, you know, get a slightly worse prospect, but you get the additional asset or assets which is still extremely valuable in the NBA, especially under the new CBA, where first-round picks start to get even more value and accrue more value as you start to pay current players as that cost-controlled measure to help you out as you as you need to start going into the luxury tax and things of that nature. So trading back from 12, I think, should not just absolutely floor people if it were to happen, but I don't think that it would happen. What I think is also likely to keep an eye on is trading back into the first round entirely. So as we start this conversation, remember, Sam Presti, with all of his future picks, got back to pick 11 in 2022 out of thin air. Out of thin air, just got back to pick 11. So this can be done. And the Thunder have all this cap space to take on bad deals. So I give you a couple future firsts and take on a bad contract. For sure, you can materialize another first-round pick in this loaded NBA draft class. And so I'd, I'd look for teams with maybe multiple first-round picks or teams who would like to move off of a, a contract to, to, to kind of be the targets for this. You look at Indiana, they control pick 26 and 29. Utah, they have, they have the, the ninth pick, they have the, the 16th pick, and they have the 28th pick. Uh, you know, you look at their 28th pick. Look at Portland with pick 23. You look at Brooklyn especially. Could you take on one of Brooklyn's contracts that they want to get off of? and just get pick 21 just for just for doing business. And then you have pick 21 and, and whatever you do with 12, you know, moving up or down or whatever, that'd be very enticing. The Hornets, they have a couple bad deals that they might want to get off of. Maybe they don't, but maybe they would want to get off of them. Uh, and they control pick 27 along with their, their um, second pick. So I would be interested to see if the Thunder can buy back into the first round uh, by, by doing a multitude of things, either using a first-round pick and pick 37 or using just their salary cap space to take on bad deals or whatever. But I would be interested in giving Sam Presti another first round pick in this year's draft. I think that that'd be very fun 
to see what he could do in that scenario. So let me know what you think. After listening to this, are you still out on the idea of, of drafting anyone but a beefy center? Do you still hate the idea of drafting guards? Also, should the Thunder trade up in this draft? Which of those trades did you like the most? And, in your opinion, should or will the Thunder get another first-round pick in this draft? So a lot to comment down on YouTube or on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles because tomorrow we'll be doing an Anthony Black profile and projection and continuing on our draft profiles with a couple more throughout this week as well. Uh, next week, we're going to have some guests on again, mainly Mavs Draft, Richard Stamen on Twitter, uh, or at Mavs Draft on Twitter, Richard Stamen in real life. Uh, he'll be on talking draft after he was at the Combine a couple weeks ago, so that'll be a lot of fun to catch up with him. Uh, and then we'll move on with our draft content, continuing to roll on here a month away from the NBA Draft. So until tomorrow, be good, and be good to one another.